What's up, everybody? It's your girl, STBJ, the Purpose Doula. I am your resident truth teller, mompreneur, forever student, virtual coach, relationship builder, licensed esthetician, master manifester, and podcast host. Um, today, I'm super stoked to give to you something that um, has been really, really important for me to share with you all. Um, over this past year, I think our expectations for sure have been a little bit jaded. And so um, it's really important for me that we, you know, tackle this topic before heading over into 2021. Because guess what? Uh, 2020 is legally able to drink in a couple more days. Okay, I'm just saying. So we need to fix our expectations. Um, but before we jump into that, I need to do a current event. And y'all know I am the ultimate Wonder Woman connoisseur. Okay, my office is Wonder Woman themed. So much so that I have a an acrylic trunk with a gold Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman candles and a painting that says Wonder on the walls. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'll be posting a video of my office on YouTube really soon. Everybody knows I love Wonder Woman. I have a Wonder Woman tattoo as my heartbeat because she's my alter ego, okay? like. Everybody has always said, Where are you? you're a warrior. Um, you're like Wonder Woman. You're like Superwoman. And, and Wonder Woman always resonated with me. So I would be remiss if I did not talk about Wonder Woman 1984. I know a lot of people have been waiting on my review. And I have been waiting for this movie for quite some time. And um, I honestly have to say... Um, even though I am a Wonder Woman fan, a huge Wonder Woman fan, I was not a fan of this movie. Um, Patty Jenkins, we got some talking to do, baby. Come see me, baby. Because I feel like you did more fighting for equal pay uh, along with the men than you actually did for the movie. Um, and that's no shade. Listen, get your coin, girlfriend. Okay, I'm all about it. But that movie needed to be rewritten. Uh, the first 50 minutes were super slow. I was all about little Diana, seeing little Diana go on. And they gave us this whole little bit about no hero has ever um, come from lies. And so, you know, that is huge for Wonder Woman, which I thought was cute. And then all of a sudden, Wonder Woman is just working a job. Like, she's just in a job, okay? We don't know how she got there. We don't know anything. And we spend like 40 minutes in the job. And it makes no sense. Like, it could have been written out. I mean, it was so bad to me. To the point where this is Wonder Woman 1984. Why were there no 80s hits in this movie? I mean, case in point, there was a scene where Wonder Woman is walking in New York in 1984, okay, set the scene, and these kids are breakdancing. Guess what they're breakdancing to, y'all? Opera music. You gotta be kidding me. Like, there were just so many inconsistencies that broke my heart. Um, another thing that I was really, really tripped out about was 
the gold suit. You give us the story of the gold suit and it's supposed to be so amazing. And you mean to tell me a villain that is birthed from our superhero can just take this suit down on her first fight? That's what we're doing, y'all? Like, huh? I got questions. I got so many questions. Um, there was absolutely a great message. You know, the underlying messages were great. I would say that this was a movie for the younger generation and the gold uniform for Wonder Woman was just a selling point for merchandise after the movie because even its feature in the movie didn't make too much sense. And then finally, a highlight was Wonder Woman's fashion. Whoever the stylist is, is always on point for Wonder Woman. I appreciate the way that y'all have her put together, baby. Yes. Yes, ma'am, on that. And then um, to end on a high note, after the credits, there is a scene where the first Wonder Woman is uh, featured. And that was super cute and super cool. So um, on a scale of one to five, I would give Wonder Woman a 2.5 for the message and the fashion and a nod to um, the first Wonder Woman. That's it. That's it. I will not watch that again. I would not get that on DVD. I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange because that was a whole ham and I would have been very angry had I waited and watched it on my birthday in June. I'm glad that it was delayed because I want my money back and I didn't even pay for this movie, okay? And this is coming from a Wonder Woman lover. So I'm just going ahead and we're we just going to let this go. And we're just, just going to jump into our podcast topic for the day, which is prophetic expectations. I will say I didn't have any expectations for this movie. And, and I'm still disappointed with no expectations. I was excited to see it because it was a Wonder Woman movie. You know, sequels are typically hit or miss. This one was a way miss, and I, I had no expectations for it. But anywho, let's go ahead and just jump right into our topic for today, prophetic expectations. Technically, it's fourth quarter. It's fine. Everything is fine. Um, you know, COVID has done a number on us all. So I wanted to at least get this to you guys before the year ended. I think it's really, really important with where we are going um, to have this conversation. And so um, what I wanted to talk to you all about was one of my guys, okay, um, John the Baptist, um, and, and prophetic expectation, what that looks like. And um, we can see what that looks like in our biblical text as well. So I will not hold you guys up. I'm going to jump right into um, my scripture for today. So we got plenty of it, okay? Um, <laughs> plenty of it. And I, I don't even want to start with the main. I want to go to the death of John the Baptist. Kind of like uh, Quentin Tarantino, how he gives you a bit of the end and then goes back and then it all makes sense. That's, that's kind of where I want to go with this today. And so I am reading from the book of Matthew chapter 7, no, chapter 14, 
chapter 14, and I am going to read uh, all the way to verse 12. I am currently reading from the NLT version, and I'm just going to jump right in. So when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias, the former wife of Herod's, Herod's brother, Philip. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet, and he was. Verse 6, but at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. That is legit his niece, though, but keep going. Um, so he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. The king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus what happened. And this is right before Jesus feeds the um, 5,000 guys. So, I mean, there's just so much to unpack there. Look at where we are today. You know, John the Baptist was one of those prophets who obviously preached and he taught the truth. He prophesied about the future of Jesus coming. And he was literally convicting people um, to his death. That was his death sentence, telling the truth. Um, they didn't want him, King Herod and his wife Herodias, telling them that they couldn't be together, even though it was against God's law. And he, um, Herod allegedly loved God and probably went to church and still wanted his brother's wife um, as, you know, a way to kind of quiet that guilt or conviction. They wanted him gone. Um, how many people do you see that way today? Um, I saw this post and it was so cool. It said, um, make pastors unpopular again. And um, yeah, that's kind of what John the Baptist was. He was the unpopular pastor. He was um, prophet. He was the integral one who was going to tell you the truth and you knew you could um, depend on him to be a steadfast moral compass and he wasn't going to be leading you in your latest fashion choices because we all know john the baptist was a peculiar man john the baptist didn't wear anything we would have wanted to wear um he was not walking out preaching his sermons in the wilderness um in red bottom sneakers he just was not that guy um he did not have the big mansion and all of those things that we have come to 
recognize or solidify the anointing or success of a pastor. Um, you know, the, the mega pastors these days. Um, and so we, we see that John the Baptist was true to his mission. You know, he was born on purpose. You know, God had a reason for him um, to be born. And he um, definitely met his cousin, his little cousin Jesus in the womb um, earlier in the Bible, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but we know that he was on a mission from God. Um, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, um, is what John verse uh, chapter one, verse six tells us. Um, and so he was on a mission from God and God gave him this mission from the beginning. And somehow, somewhere along the way, um, his prophetic was undeniable. But even he being the human being that he was, had um, flawed or skewed expectations of God and what he wanted from him. Um, you know, we get to see in the beginning of his journey in Matthew 3, I want to say it's verses 13 through 17. Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan and John the Baptist got the immense honor to baptize Jesus. Um, and John was like, what you doing? You should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. Um, but Jesus legit told him, you know, no, no, you have to baptize me. Um, let me go to the verse. It says, verse 15, and Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now, for thus it become us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight out of the water and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that gives us kind of a glimpse of um, John's expectation. Um, you know, he knew who Jesus was and he understood that he, he couldn't, he said, I'm not even fit to tie your shoe. Um, but here I am and you're asking me to do such a, an honorable task. Uh, is that really what I'm here for? Um, so, you know, his expectation, even with knowing what his mission was to prepare the way for Jesus, he didn't have uh, a confidence, if you will, in himself because um, he was peculiar, you know? <laughs> he was this peculiar guy who dressed weird and he... um you know, ate honey. He was the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way um, of the Lord and make his path straight. And he literally preached the same sermon every single time. And um, here we are as 
preachers and prophets today thinking we, we have to come up with something new, something revolutionary. And, and people, we the people are still having the same struggles day to day. Um, and it, it, it really is just a means and a matter of getting your heart right and um, turning away from sin and you know, obeying God. Um, but we think we have to have a, a super deep sermon <laughs> in order for you know, the people to come. Um, what was the next piece that I thought was super, super, super important? Um, Jesus, not Jesus, John the Baptist. So we all know he was peculiar. We all know he was, you know, set to prepare the way he was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. Um, he was, his purpose was to reform the Jews by bringing them back to the law because they had departed from the law. And he was literally only talking to the Jews. Uh, once Jesus came, Jesus began to speak about the Gentiles. Um, John the Baptist was trying to get the Jews back in place and in formation, if you will. Um, another thing that you see when it comes to John the Baptist is that he decreased as Jesus increased, you know, he knew that I trust you. I know that, you know, man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven. And so, you know, he knew that he was preparing the way for the bride. Um, that was probably one of the biggest, biggest pieces. Um, and even still, John was one of those ones who would bear witness to the truth. And he wouldn't receive a testimony from man, but from God himself. Um, you know, and his light was a burning and shining light. So one of the things that I thought was super important for us to um, touch on, and this is really like the major piece um, it's from Matthew 11, and I'm just going to read it, and I am reading from the New American Standard Bible, so the NASB. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, John, now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you see, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. That is what he told him. That's the message he sent back while John the Baptist was in prison. So he basically confirmed, yes, I am the expected one. But this is what I was sent here to do. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. 
the lepers are cleansed, the death here, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Nothing about the captives being set free, um, you know. And so the last line was legit for Judas, not Judas, I'm sorry, uh, John the Baptist. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. That was him letting John the Baptist know, I'm not coming to get you. While he was in prison, he sent word like, okay, are you the one that we're expecting? Or is, is somebody else going to come save me? Because while John the Baptist was in the wilderness, he understood the power that Jesus had. You know how we always say, I mean, Jesus could have just called down his angels when he was on Calvary, when he was going through the crucifixion process, and the angels could have just handled it for him. You know, all he had to do was snap a finger. Um, that was that was the same mindset that John the Baptist had. Like, Jesus got disciples, he got angels, he got God up there on our behalf. Like, he could just come get me and we lit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even have to go through all this. I already went through the wilderness. So... Y'all disciples, go, go send word to Jesus. And, you know, I know he's about to come get me out. I expect for him to come get me out. And if he's not going to come get me out, I don't know he's going to send some people to come get me. So that way I don't have to endure this thing in prison. Because he wasn't, you know, thinking that he was going to die in the name of the cause. Like that part was not prophesied. He knew he was going to come and prepare the way. We've talked about this his entire life from conception to birth and even him you know, going into the wilderness and paving the way. We, we, we knew all of that. All of those things were prophesied, um, but it was not forecasted and it was not expected for him to have to die the way that he did. I'm pretty sure he didn't think that he was going to have to be in the, um, in the jail when he died because he sent word and said, so go, y'all disciples go ask Jesus, is, is he the one that we expecting? Or should we be waiting on somebody else? That was his mindset right there. How many of us have that mindset where we expect to be rescued out of a situation or a job or, you know, <laughs> something that we just don't like? And God's like, yeah, okay. Well, you see, I'm doing the work. I'm doing all these great things. And by the way, I'm not coming to get you. Because that's really what the line meant. And blessed is, <laughs> is he who is not offended by me. Don't be offended. Don't be mad. I don't want your heart to be hardened. Um, but you're going to have to walk this one out without me. Because I'm still handling my father's business. And you know I'm about my father's business. That's heavy. You know, um, I don't know how. I've never heard this text preached this way in church. We never talk about the hard stuff in church like that. But the text is clear. It says, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. That was literally Jesus letting him know, I'm not coming to get you. I'm not coming to save you. You just got to go through this process. That stuck with me. And I thought I would be remiss if I didn't teach this to you guys because how many prophetic expectations do we have after we receive a prophetic word 
the prophet says what they say and we interpret it our own way. Oh, that must mean this. That must mean this is going to happen in this amount of time. Oh, okay, so that's what I was praying for. And that must mean that by the time that I'm 35, you know, this, this, and this will happen. Or God's going to make this happen for me because that's not what the prophet said. But we rationalize these prophecies because of our own expectation, because of our own flawed expectation, just as John the Baptist did. And that is just a testament to his humanity because it's clear as day solidified that he was a bona fide prophet. Baby didn't miss, okay? He spent time with God. He was, you know, fasting and praying. He lived in the wilderness. He separated himself. He did all the right things. But he, he, I don't want to say he was disappointed because we don't know that he was disappointed, but I, I feel like he probably was disappointed because it was his words. His words said, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? Because that means to me, I'm definitely getting saved. So are you saving me or are you sending somebody else? Which one is it? And neither one happened. That, that expectation humanizes prophet John the Baptist. You know, and I believe that oftentimes church people allow themselves to be flawed. The church members give themselves grace to be flawed. And God understands why you can't meet the mark but there is not an exception for spiritual leaders. We always have to be perfect. That's why I'm not well-received now, because I'm too real. Don't, don't show the people that. Don't, don't do that. There is a certain way that you should present yourself is the general consensus. And unfortunately, it does not afford us leaders with bona fide titles and posts to be human. We are not humanized. You know, we're put in a place where we always have to be perfect. Or else you can't receive from me, even though you are like legit living a crazy life. Because you're human. But John the Baptist, I believe, definitely felt disappointed because he didn't say we're going to send somebody else. He said, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Don't take offense at what, what's happening right now. The movement is so much bigger than you. That's heavy. So this man who had a bona fide title, he could prophesy you under a table, still somehow felt disappointed. He had this expectation that disappointed him. I think that many of us believers have 
expectations because we understand certain principles because we have read and experienced miracle signs and wonders because you know who wants to just go through persecution and trouble and trials and tribulations when we know the power that god has and we know that at the snap of a finger angels can be sent our way and this doesn't have to end the way that it is You know, so um, I think it's really important for us to, as believers and mature believers, begin to put things into perspective when it comes to managing our expectation in the faith. I believe it's really important for us to do that because um, when you manage your expectation, you don't have to worry about becoming disappointed. You don't have to worry about, um, there's a song I like. Um, it says, hope is way too much for me because it gives me anxiety. You're right, I like that. Because what does the Bible say? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, which means you haven't shifted your expectation. That means you are not viewing this situation with the proper lens. And what happens, we don't reconvene. We don't take time to change our lens. We get disappointed. We get our hearts broken. We fall into depression. We walk away from God. There is a great falling away that hasn't even occurred yet because of the improper expectation that people have of the faith and what they expect to happen in their lives because they are a person of faith, allegedly. And I think everybody starts off well-meaning and truly considers themselves on fire for God, super zealous, and um, a bona fide person of faith until those persecutions come, until the troubles come, until they don't receive the miracles, signs, and wonders that they thought that they should have received because they are a child of God or a Christian or whatever it is that they call themselves. And so in order to change the lens, which was something that John the Baptist didn't do before he died, at least we don't read that he did because I truly believe he definitely was disappointed. And maybe he had to come to Jesus moment after that. But in order to change the lens, to avoid that disappointment, so that way we can be uh, what God said, blessed because we're not offended, by him, by the things that he allows us to go through and experience, um, what we can expect is transformation because everything that happens doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. Um, so we can expect transformation. Uh, we can expect to be different. You know, our motives, our motivations, the way that we see the world, that lens will change when you don't, have in your mind how you're going to be transformed but you know that you're going to be transformed because the word tells us so 
Um, another thing that you can expect in your, your walk as a believer to shift your prophetic expectation to have that proper lens um, is trouble. Trouble does not um, exempt us. You know, we're not exempt from trouble. Let's say it that way. No believer is exempt from trouble. Um, and in fact, Jesus promised us trouble. He, he promised us um, tribulation. He promised us persecution. He promised us conflict. Um, everybody won't be a millionaire. This is what it is. Um, but if you really and truly have been changed and transformed by Jesus, you don't think the kingdom of darkness is going to notice that? You don't think that um, you, the team that you used to play will give you some opposition? It, it is to be expected when you are making forward strides. Um, remember, we talked about making the necessary pivots. When you turn, if you're going in the wrong direction and you've made great progress in the wrong direction, when you turn around... That's repent, not the 360, but a 180 and going the opposite direction, because that's that's what repent. That's what sin no more means. Going in the opposite direction. Stopping what you're doing, going in the opposite direction. Even if you've only made it 50 yards, it's still further than going in the wrong direction. So we have to understand that. If you've been living a life of sin for years and decades. Once you pivot, once you become saved, once you repent and sin no more, trouble is going to come your way. Um, another thing that's probably most important to me that you can expect is that you're never alone. Um, you are never alone. Uh, what does the word say? Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and so in those times where you feel like you are alone, what happens? All we got to do is just pray. Um, one of those scriptures that is very comforting to me is Matthew 28, 20. And it says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of time. Another thing that, I guess, what, what have I told you you can expect? Transformation, trouble, not being alone. Another one, this is Amri's favorite, favorite, is a future. You can expect the future. You can expect a future. Okay? Um, so... What does the scripture say in um, in First uh, Corinthians fifteen nine? It says, "If Christ in Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied." We, we don't want to be pitied more than all men, because we know we have hope after this life. So, what's keeping you from having a future? You have the improper lens. You don't know whose you are.
you know, one of those things that John and I talk about often is our rewards are not here. That gives us hope in the future right there. So sometimes it might feel like your, your work and the things that you're doing here on earth are in vain. You don't feel like you're getting rewarded for it. You don't feel like, you know, it's worth it. But in the end, we know that we have a future elsewhere. This is not our home. And so one of the things that comforts me when I hit a low, 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 and I mean a low, is um, looking forward to the hope of heaven and being in heaven and receiving heavenly rewards because it changes how you live your life today because you have hope in a future. Um, uh, you can also expect life it's so important to understand that life is what you make it literally whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right and so one thing that i believe we as believers are plagued with is not living life i think we we get so caught up in all of the rules that you you don't get yourself free enough to enjoy the here and now. Oh no. I'm listen to a secular song on just dancing and enjoy this time with my family. Cause they're not talking about Jesus. Just dance with your kids. Just dance. It's okay. Um one of the scriptures that I really enjoyed um is Romans 8:11, and it says that if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you so you can have a meaningful life meaningful relationships your mind your spirit your will your intellect your emotions can all be fully engaged in this life um, as you have a hope for a future. Yeah, okay. I think so. You think so too? Good. Um, and then like the last one is what you can expect, I believe, um, is I call it significance by faith. <laughs> Because you don't know how your life will be significant. Nobody has any idea. I'm pretty sure MLK did not think that what he was doing would have an impact on generations to come. But the actions that he took were significant, and I know that he took them by faith. You know, we talk about John, John's mom lived a significant life, and I'm sure she she did not feel that way. To this day, we'll go different places, and if they haven't seen him in forever, baby, we are going to know all the great things that his mom did. 
even at her funeral, they talked about how great she was. She probably just felt like an ordinary mom trying to figure out her life, manage these kids and get back to her dreams. So many moms feel that way. I'm sure if she, you know, were to talk about it, she would be like, eh, just mom. Taking care of them, doing what God told me to do. No mom ever really feels like that's significant. But the life that she lived left a, a huge impact, not only on her kids, but everybody that she touched. And we witnessed that every single time. His dad, his dad is one of those people. Pretty sure he thinks he is this insignificant, super humble guy, you know, just a regular old Joe Schmo. Because Poppy is just so low-key like that. But when you talk about him or like if I if I mention my name, they think I'm Jaina usually. And they will talk about how great he is. What he did that impacted their lives. Poppy don't never tell any of these things. It's complete strangers who will tell, oh yeah, he, he bought my kids Christmas presents or he did this and he did that. And Poppy just thinks that he's being this ordinary guy. He doesn't think anything of it. <laughs> he thinks absolutely nothing special of it. He's just doing the right thing in his mind. Um, but all I'm saying all those things to say, because I don't, I don't think what I do is significant. Honestly, I feel like I'm just a mom doing the right thing, living by faith. But the stories that I hear people tell me, and the thank yous that I get let me know that I'm, I'm leaving my mark. And so it's not in vain because I'm leaving my mark. It always makes me think of Jesus when he, um, you know, takes the little boy's lunch and he has the five loaves and two fishes and he's able to feed the multitude with such little. It wasn't a lot. Um, I, I liken that to us being significant by faith because what we think we have is just a little bit. But if you give it to God, if you just give it to him and allow him to bless it and allow him to break it, he'll use it to feed others. I don't even know why that's making me teary-eyed, <laughs> but it's, it's the truth. Um, and so I believe that when you look at those things and when you, you change your view, your lens, by looking at those things, you won't ever have to ask yourself, so are you going to fix it or are you going to send somebody else to fix it? And you don't have to ever worry about hearing those words. Blessed are those who aren't offended by me. Don't please don't take offense at me. And I just pray that it helps you to endure the race. Because it's not easy. But he never promised that it would be. And that's all I got for you.
Thank you for tuning into the Mogul Mom Mindset Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you really love this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. For more beyond this podcast, including my blog, books, upcoming events, and other products and services, visit my website, www.asktbj.com. And for daily inspiration, including quotes, business strategy, and branding tips, be sure to follow me on Instagram at AskTPJ. Okay, bye!